minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, sports fans. Welcome to minus three. Welcome to 2022. Happy holidays to you belatedly. If you missed out on the fun lately, go back and listen to all the good times we've been having here on minus three. The 2021 Shecky Awards were recorded for history. We just talked to Mark Sessler on the heels of Monday Night Football. Big Ben Roethlisberger's last game in Heinz Field against the Cleveland Brownies. One year, what a difference it can make. Same field, same team, same tears coming out of the same guy's eyes, but of course, happy tears this time around. Go back and listen to all of it, and in fact, listen to everything on the Extra Points Network. Great times with uh, with Cousin Sal Marty Weiss on Extra Points twice a week, and that's just the tip of the iceberg against all odds. Waiver Wire with Eddie Spaghetti and Jen Piacenti. What else? Megan Fun of Sports, Lemon Pepper Parley. All right, enough promo. Let's get into some hot sports talk here. Follow along all the fun at Minus 3 Pod. Play against us in the NFL Pick'em Week 18. It's a big one. ExtraPoints.com slash arcade is how you do that. And with all that being said, Eddie Spaghetti, the aforementioned one behind the glass, and Kevin Hench back from the great white north ready to kibitz about everything that's going down in our league, the NHL, NBA, college football. What's the poop there, Hench? Oh, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I got my resolutions lined up. It's going to be a good year. I, uh, you know, my, the way I pull it off is I, I only have two modes. I have uh, fucking lazy, can't get anything done or just take on way more work than any human being could ever accomplish. Cause that's the only, I, I can only function in fight or flight where it's like every second counts and I'm fucking panicked and nervous. So I'm that's, that's my mode for 2022 full fight or flight, too many projects, too much going on. Can't, can't hit the snooze bar. Got to get the workout done before breakfast. Got to, got to hit it hard. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Spaghetti. Right. Right. Hard. I'm with you. I went before hard. I'm still sweating from the workout post shower. Nice, so you know, right. it's a good one. Do, yeah. uh, do, is the, do, um, Weights, weights in the morning, cardio mm-hmm. in the afternoon, yeah. and and nothing but work in between, and and obviously no carbs. All right, um, are you guys are either or both of you actually doing separate workouts in the same day? Two in the same day? I'm gonna yeah. start. Yeah, I'm gonna start doing two a day. You got to do weights and cardio, check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're what? not training for a triathlon or oh, anything. Why, why are you, you doing are, two uh, separate? You, 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 unbeknownst to you, apparently you are training for something because you got the fucking sniffles and you can't I shake do. this cold. And we are all running the Omicron gauntlet. I mean, it's quite frankly probably too late for Eddie at his weight. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, I, I've been preparing for this. I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender to Omicron and see how it goes. But uh, Sheck, you'll be you'll be wishing you'd done a couple more double sessions with the weights and the cardio. Uh, if is that what Dr. Like, Fauci is advising now? Like scared the 19 away with the weights? It seems like more pro football players wouldn't have it if that were the case, unless they've eschewed working out. Antonio but, look Brown. Mild, but look how mild the cases are. It's not going to keep you from getting it, jackass, obviously. Lifting right. weights is not going to keep you from fucking inhaling Omicron, <laughs> but uh, it will. It will. Speed Seems up like being body. in an enclosed gymnasium might increase my chance. I don't know. But listen, here's the good news. One thing that this little sniffles that broke out just yesterday for me where they broke out. That's bad news because I was with Jean-Claude Van Damme, a Um, 
we were at his first flag football practice of his new season. Here's the only good news about it because I was in close proximity to him. So I hope if I turns out I have the 19, I didn't pass it on to, to the progeny, but the great news is, you know what team he's on this year? The Steelers. Oh, I'm nice. over the moon. which is better. Cause last year he was on the Texans and I know that Steelers is awfully provincial, but Texans in Southern California is really, really weird and appropriate though for LA, given the, the Lakers in a town where there are no lakes and the Dodgers where there are no trolley cars to dodge and otherwise. So I guess it kind of fit in. Uh, Unless there are 32 teams in his flag football league, there's no excuse for the Texans being one. I mean, it made me crazy. It really did make me crazy. And the coaches, the coaches were like, Hey, uh, Hey dad, um, we're not in charge of naming the teams. You'll hear what I have to say and you'll hear it until I'm done talking. And they're like, can we please with the 11 year olds, can we please do the flag football game? I'm just letting you know. The Texans makes no goddamn sense, but they, hey, they, they did. Uh, did Jean-Claude Van Damschek, uh make it through the killer angels? <laughs> He's yet to pick it up. I got I'm pushing him hard to do that. And uh, between that and his pass catching work and uh, so on and so forth. Cause I think it, on, it hasn't today, been that productive a, a Christmas vacation for them. On, on today of all days on the anniversary of when domestic terrorists tried to overthrow our democracy, uh, this would be a good day for Jean-Claude Van Damme to pick up the Killer Angels and learn about the last time domestic terrorists tried to overthrow the Republic and, and the great heroes like Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, who turned them back at Gettysburg. Um, funny little juxtaposition today. I have, I'm reading Gods and Generals now, and, and I want your boy to get, get on it. Uh, okay. I'm right in the section where uh, – Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain decides to leave teaching at Bowdoin College in Maine to go to Antietam to fight for his country. Like, it's insane. It's it's Pat Tillman in 1862. And it's it, it's like you're reading it and you're like, I'm such a puss. I'm fucking I'm such a puss. I can't I can't believe that people did this. This guy's got a cush gig teaching. He, he speaks seven languages. He's an intellectual. He's like, I got to go fight for my country. I got to go save the Republic. On the same day that this hero of Maine and my brother lives in Maine and he talks, of, you know, he knows Joshua Ch- Lawrence Chamberlain is revered in Maine, as you can imagine. On the same day that I'm reading about this, this heroic decision to save the Republic, Maine Senator Susan Collins says, um, we shouldn't be in session today. The Capitol should be closed. It's traumatic. Oh, so that's your response to the assault on democracy is let's take a me day. Can we just take a me day today and not have to not have to go through it again? <laughs> Fucking Joshua well, Lawrence we can bring that into Antonio Brown taking a me day or a me half or so um, in the well, stadium. Well, we can certainly bridge it into Aaron Rodgers and all that, that he's willing to sacrifice for his community and his society and the republic. Um, what I, I mean, what? It's funny. Aaron Rodgers told us who he is and he can't stop telling us who he is. He just can't stop. It's it's unbelievable. It's like, I mean, I count me among the naive people who had a very different impression uh, of Aaron Rodgers before he started this tour of I'm a I'm a narcissistic monster. Here's today's installment of, of Selfish Narcissist. And I love the fact that he's citing Ayn Rand's at the shrugged because every selfish monster wants to go, 
it's actually cool that I'm selfish. It's actually cool. Here's uh, this lady wrote a book and I can explain to you why it's cool that I'm, I'm a selfish asshole who doesn't care about his community. Um, just read this book. Now, Ayn Rand had her fucking life destroyed by the Bolshevik revolution. Like she's entitled to this point of view. She, she earned it. Uh, Aaron, what, what did you go through? Tell me what you suffered. Somebody asked you to get a jab that fucking billions of people have gotten and you don't want to do anything. You don't want to do anything for your community. You want the roads to be plowed so you can get to work. You want your garbage to be picked up. You probably want your linemen to be vaccinated to lower the chances that you'll get it. You, you probably want to be blocked for, but when it comes time for you to participate in society, for you to do anything for your community, you're like, yeah, that's a no-go for me. By the way, as I've said before, the Jake from State Farm commercials are a documentary. This is actually how he feels. He doesn't want anyone else to get the Rogers rate. This fucking scumbag wants everything for himself. Like all, like all libertarians, he's a, he, these fucking guys, they convince themselves like, hey, man, I'm just into individual freedom. Right. When, when it's good for you, you want it to be all about the individual, but you really want your contract, your huge fucking contract to be guaranteed by the rule of law. You want contracts to be guaranteed, right? You want, you want there to be some society. Uh, but yeah, I can't, I can't be asked to get this fucking jab. And I also, I, I can't, I can't have other people getting the Rogers rate. It's just not going to work for me. Uh, I mean, this guy, and I feel bad. You and I both know lots of Packer fans, and and they're a delightful group. They they couldn't they couldn't be better people, and and they're agonizing. They're agonizing because they're trying desperately to compartmentalize the fact that their team is led by a fucking asshole, a selfish monster. And you know, I've been there. But uh, you know, Giselle set Brady straight very quickly. Tom Brady didn't do it. That's tour. right. I hear, your, I, the fuck up. I hear your I hear your rant every week and gives Packer fans another reason to hate this motherfucker. And I, I I also don't like I don't like voters for the Baseball Hall of Fame or the NFL MVP award weighing in on whether someone's a piece of shit or not. But um, both those things can be true. The writer can be a piece of shit and the quarterback can be a piece of shit. Well, listen. It's funny because there's a fair amount of serendipity of the overlap of current events in sports and specifically in pro football right now, but it does apply to the Baseball Hall of Fame votes and and MVP votes and Defensive Player of the Year and all this and that. So let's talk about uh, all these things. But to your point, that's exactly right. Spaghetti and I and Mark Sessler, the Browns fan, and tried to make sense of because there's been a fair amount. There's been no small amount, in fact, if you look online at all this week of, well, people in Pittsburgh are genuflecting to Ben Roethlisberger. My argument is that we're largely, you know, we're honoring ourselves as much as we are the hero. 18 years in our team's uniform, great deeds and all that. And through thick and thin, it it it, it proved out that the Steelers very likely made the right decision um, last year in bringing them back and not missing the way the Cleveland Browns did in 2004. And so you have, you have, um, you know, you have to, compartmentalize, like you say, rationalize or otherwise these things. But I think it's ultimately about, you know, that these people, these are characters in our individual movies. You talk about you're working on your stuff. 
we're the stars of our own shows. Those guys are just bit players in it. The, the end goal for us is to be is to wind up um, happy main characters of our own movie. And so I, I, I can get Packers fans. I let Packers fans off the hook, but it is that push and pull that means that you never get full justice from this because there's at least one fan base that will always hold out and defend and always pl- uh, play the, yeah, but what if, and, and, and all that kind of stuff. As it applies to um, the voting, because that is now a big thing, Hubba Arkish has now fallen on his sword and said this was a mistake, and you can tell he's in some peril himself professionally, might lose his vote or, or whatever, as Rodgers tries to lead that charge. If, he, if, if Arkish is a bum and, and, and maybe is, he's just towing the line of voters for various sports awards over the years. I mean, Ted Williams didn't get the MVP because he was mean to people in the locker room in 41. Um, insane. You know, Terrell yeah, Owens insane. didn't get into the Hall of Fame for how many years because he wasn't nice enough to the writers. Yeah. It's Moved crazy. On. That is no I mean, of course he's of course these people are human beings and weigh these things. I think it's wrong to do it, but let's not act like he's the first guy to ever do it. But yes, okay, here we go. Hall or nothing, and then this will lead us neatly into a guy who's being discussed a little more in the current events. But for some reason, and then we will, I promise, get to our Week 18 NFL picks for you. We'll get a national championship pick for you. And things are really, for all three of our teams, really getting good with the with the puck here, too. That Wales Conference, man, is a murderer's row once again. Anyway, uh, Hall or nothing, here we go. This is when we evaluate whether or not people deserve their gold jackets or not. And for so, I don't even know where it came from. Why did the two of you start talking about Joe Namath in late this late December 21, early 2022? And whether or not well, Hench brought him actually, up. Hench I brought him up. And I weirdly had a story about it. How did he end up on the Rams? And, you know, uh, you, you're probably old enough, Jack. Um, Spaghetti, there was a very famous Sports Illustrated co- cover with Joe Namath. Is like, I don't remember that. How old do you think I am? I'm not 63 years old. I don't All remember right. Namath on the cover of SI. As 63. A but wait a minute. You remember 63 is Fats Holmes, and that was fucking before that cover. So get your story straight. No, but you said I remembered it. I don't remember it. I I, can, I know that it happened. That's different than being there right. remembering it. But well, I ran to my mailbox go and I got point. that cover. And I, anyway, so then I just you know me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fucking freak. So I was like, I gotta I gotta I gotta see what the market was for Joe Namath in 1977. I have to go like, did you know people are gonna want Aaron Rodgers because. Hub Arkush or not, he's going to win the MVP award, and he is the MVP. He's ah, also. The, I think you can make a case for your boy Brady, but okay. Uh, no, so so Namath, as I sent you, his last two seasons with the Jets, he he throws he he goes four and seventeen, and throws nineteen TDs and forty four picks. <laughs> And it's like, and I'm looking at these stats and I'm like, who wanted this guy in camp? Who wanted this guy in camp? And now Chuck Knox from your beloved Western Pennsylvania, Chuck Knox and Joe Namath had this relationship from early in Namath's days in New York. And Chuck Knox was remembering, (laughs) just couldn't get game film, I guess. There was no way to know the statistics that, that Broadway Joe was putting up in New York. So Chuck Knox is like, oh, here's my chance. And he and he brings in Namath and he names Namath the starter. 
over Pat Hayden. And then Namath throws four picks and gets hurt in the fourth game of the season. And that's it. He never, he never plays again. But then, so you look at Namath's statistics and he's terrible. The statistics are terrible. And I know you're like, well, that was the era. But if you look at- It was at- the era. What are you talking about? Of course Len it Dawson, was. Len Dawson played in that era. was a fucking million times better than Joe Namath. And and Joe Namath, kind of like Baker Mayfield doing every commercial, like Baker Mayfield's a household name. He's one of the five worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Joe Namath was bad for a long time, but- He's famous for this one game where he led his team to 16 points and threw no TDs. <laughs> You're a kook. What are so, you? Sound like one of Spaghetti's friends. I mean, that, that, so that anyway, has no sense so of look, the context the hall, of the era. The hall or nothing. But so I'm like, if you look at Len Dawson's, you know, you can go to the fucking uh, Pro Football Reference uh, page and you can compare guys, right? So you yeah. can stack Len Dawson's stats right on top of Joe Namath's stats, and it's not even close. It's 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 Tom Brady. Len Dawson's in the Hall of Fame. But, yeah, but it's so so then I'm like, well, who is J- Joe Namath statistically equivalent to? So I said, you know what? I'm going to think. Look of my at football. the first five years of his career. I'm you gonna, have to I'm grade him on the curve that Terrell. Are you here's here's the question: Is Terrell Davis worthy of the Hall of Fame? Yes. Who do you like better? Who's more worthy in your book? You only can vote for one or the other: Terrell Davis or Frank Gore. Terrell Davis. Okay, Eddie Spaghetti. I think definitely Terrell. Well, okay, then so what are you I, I, Terrell about? Davis is better in his prime. I think Frank Gore's career longevity is, is insanely great. But I think in this era of football, we're going to have to start judging people on less lengthy careers because of the injuries. Okay. I'm big on I'm uh, I'm big on championships. I'm big on championships. Being okay. the, being being the 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 bell cow on a championship team really matters. Anyway, so I found Joe Namath's comp, which is John Hadle. John Hadle, um, who I don't think we can – and by the way, John Hadle, a little better than Namath. If you put their stats right on top of each other, which I did, I sent you guys all the links. John Hadle's a little better than Joe Namath. He, John Hadle looks like a, an insurance executive on the day he retires. That's because he, he wore he, a weird number. He came into the league looking 55. Anyway, so the point <laughs> is John Hadle, better than Joe who Namath. Who 21? What the, you got to have yeah. some balls to be a QB and be like, yeah, I'm going 21. with 21. Uh, so, um, well, Unitas was 19, and I got to think with with COVID, that number's going to fall out of favor. Was was <laughs> was Scott Mitchell 19? He so was yeah. a weird number. Uh, all right, Hall or nothing. I think we've we've led into this segment well. Okay, I mean, I don't. So so. In other words, you're saying if you had the power to do so, you would take the gold jacket from Joe Namath, an icon who is transformative for the sport. I mean, it does matter at a time when the what in the window that I refer to the early part of his career, he already had a bum knee before he ever took a snap in in pro football. And then he ruins the other one in an era when they couldn't just fix your knee up and have you play eight months later and, and look as right, right as rain. It was, you know, his window was much smaller, 
but he was hugely significant in just practical football terms and, and what he did for you ever watch him play. You ever watch any of his games? This is my thing with you all the time about you, when you pound the table for Jim Brown, who you've never Look, watched play he, a game. You know, I watched Joe Namath play a game. That arm is live, man. He definitely had a small window and he just kept throwing into those small <laughs> windows, which is why he has way more career interceptions. I mean, it's not even close. The numbers are mind boggling. How many times he gave the ball to the other team. It's shocking. He's a gunslinger. That's what that's, that's how he gonna, a lot you know of what, guys threw so a lot excited. of interceptions. When we wrap today, I'm gonna I'm gonna compare Earl Morrill. Uh, uh, oh, and even your buddy. Your do buddy a big Bob. draft. Then you can do a big draft and, and ask all the GMs yeah. of the age who they uh, would have rather your, had. Even your buddy Bob Greasy. Bob Greasy. Well, um, he should have his gold jacket taken. No, because because guess what? Handing off was to Larry Zonka was a better play than Joe Namath throwing it to the other team. Uh, hey, <laughs> real quick. He must have completed some of them, right? Uh, another, another funny uh, a, a part of my deep dive uh, I did. I, I researched 40 years of this statistic: percentage of your throws that are touchdowns, percentage of your throws that are intercepted, um, and and then you know uh, low, lowest percentage of TDs and, and highest percentage of interceptions. So it's good and bad. You know, Brady Brady you know would lead the league in touchdown percentage and in lowest interception percentage. And obviously Aaron Rodgers, master of that. But you'll you'll remember this. I think it was 1987. It's really hard to do when you think about it. Mark Malone led the league. He had the lowest touchdown percentage per pass and the highest interception. I mean, usually those go kind of hand in hand. Like you're going for it. So you get picked off, but you know, you have a lot of TD passes. He, I think he had six TDs and 19 interceptions. Like you know what else just, he had? You know what else he had? He had as a rookie a 90-yard touchdown reception. Which Ooh, was bizarre. But I thought, bizarre. you know, Bradshaw, Bradshaw said something very interesting. Um, he said, when the Steelers drafted Mark Malone, he said, good, bring it. I know I'm better than that guy. And, it, it, you know, as opposed to, you drafted Jordan Love? Why didn't anybody call me? I didn't even get a text. I hate Listen, you guys. I hate you. By the way, that is another conversation that we could dip back into for the millionth time, but I, I'll avoid it. I'll try to have some discipline. But this is my point, Hench. This is why if I were Ben Roethlisberger, I would have a chip on my shoulder. Like, why do I have to wear the bad decisions of every 21st century QB? You wouldn't talk about Antonio Brown and there's you know, obviously I'm not going to defend Antonio Brown on anything, but one common factor with the, all these, these weird little dust ups in Foxborough with Belichick and teammates and everything else with Brady uh, now down in Tampa, it's this weird Alex Guerrero TB 12 stuff. The, 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 the applause for Brady taking less money than Peyton ever did on face seemed like, yeah, see, he cares about winning more than Peyton does, except that he was making out by sending all of his teammates to TB12. And once again, now Alex Guerrero's name crops up in another controversy here. Like not, pay, I don't know what the whole hubbub is about there, but that, so Brady has his weird little stuff. That's not, you know, that's not uh, the worst thing in the world, but still weird. Aaron Rodgers with his stuff. I mean, you got Brett Favre, so on and that. Everybody's got their stuff. Why is only only Roethlisberger is the one who gets taken to task over and over and over again about this, this is, stuff? But this anyway. is so much foreplay for our hall or nothing. The lady has left the room. She's just all right. Let's like, go. Here we go. Here we go anymore. Here we go. 
Okay. Antonio Brown. We just covered T.O. had to wait a long time to get in because he wasn't nice to people. What do you make about a guy who did half a strip tease act in front of 65,000 people in New York, New Jersey on Sunday? Left the field, shamed the greatest quarterback or the greatest player in the history of football and beyond and everything else, and yet has numbers that are, you know, just about beyond compare. It, uh, among his peer group. How say you, Hedge? Gold jacket for Antonio Brown, yay or nay? Absolutely. It's not even close. I mean, such a dominant player for a sustained amount of time. Like, what, I mean, what are, what, what are the criteria? Like, the, the, best? these voters, I'm, I, you know what? Let me rephrase. Are you asking, do will I, he get it? If Kevin Hench were a voter or Dave Damashek were, I, of course, would vote for you him. Know, the numbers I'm, are there. I'm sure and you can't these argue. assholes who, who vote for these awards will, will hold everything against him despite his hall-worthy career. Um, and then he'll either do, you know, the supplication apology tour in his 50, you know, like they'll, they'll make him beg as they sit up on Mount Pius withholding their vote because you're because you weren't a good teammate or you were a bad guy. Um, and then and then eventually, I think, you know, because what's going to happen is you're they're going to have trouble letting in guys they like whose numbers are hugely inferior. You know, when the Julian Edelman vote comes up, <laughs> you know, you want to you want to put him in the hall because he was a good quote and a nice guy. And, and obviously, I think he belongs in the hall because of the postseason work. So eventually, you'll be you'll you'll look like such a hypocrite, or you know, um, which this is dark, but you know, some some horrible sequence of events will transpire where they'll they'll cut his brain open, and we'll see what that guy's been operating with, and then the sanctimonious pricks, you know, posthumously will go, oh gosh, geez, we feel bad. Um, and, and let him in. But yeah, I, de I definitely think he'll, he'll suffer the Terrell thing, you know, the, the, you know, go, go stand in the corner. Well, like we said, I think uh, I said uh, with you, Hench, a week or two ago, you know, the big difference between John Madden um, is, you know, I I'm glad that he got to see versus super Dave Osborne didn't get to see the documentary about the two of them that both would have loved. Madden got to drink that in in his final days and good for him. So I'm big on celebrating guys before they actually leave. the Yes, planet. of course, of course. Um, but yes, I, I but the other factor is and I guess we're going to have plenty of territory to real estate to cover this after the games actually end here. But um, in the next few weeks, but um, <clears throat> the glut of good wide receivers who are borderline worthy of gold jackets in the 21st century is really starting to load up. They're lousy with options there between Steve Smith doesn't even make the final 15 uh, for this upcoming class. Reggie Wayne is in there. Heinz Ward doesn't make it now. Andre Johnson seems sure to get it. Torrey Holt is still not in there, which seems insane. Like it's like, Oh my God, we've, it feels like a mistake that they made like 10 years ago that they're like, did anybody notice that we've, never put Tory Holt in the hall of fame. Like we need to fix that before anybody notices. And now it's too late. It's out there. And so they're going to have to put, and they're going to have to leave some guys who feel worthy, certainly statistically seem worthy. And just in terms of your memories of them, like Heinz Ward to me, I'm, I'm biased, feels like a hall of famer. I don't know where you come down on that, but it'll be interesting where this all goes. What do you, what do you think there spaghetti? Should we jump into, um, what do we do here? Do we want to want to get into some picks here? We've already gone 45 minutes. 
Uh, it's fine by me. We can get into some some uh, college and pro picks. Do you see? Hey, hey, this is I more discipline, Damashek. You took me to task yeah. like Bruce Arians did Antonio Brown and well, Mr. I'm Big Chest. I'm looking at my notes and I just want to have I mentioned that Aaron Rodgers is a fucking asshole? Did I get to that? <laughs> <laughs> I think you covered it thoroughly. Okay. I'll right. just make spaghetti sure I couldn't remember. Enough. I couldn't Not remember. good enough on that? I um, did. I think it was uh, plenty on that. I will say the, the Joe Namath thing, I do side with Hench. Like I texted about the story that I had. I, I think that uh, that statistically he's not great, but uh, ultimately I, I may have a soft spot for people who do a – a big moment for the league, which is why I probably would let him stay in the Hall of Fame. I I, I do agree with Shaq with that. I think we're at the change back in the. I was just talking about Hall or nothing now with with AB. It's like, what do you have, Shaq? Like it was like six or seven years in a row where he was like without a doubt the best receiver in the league. I push it out a, a million times on social media, but like exactly. there's si- there's a six year window that not. Calvin Johnson or Marvin Harrison or T.O. or Jerry Rice or Randy Ma- or anyone else ever has put together. It's just it's you know, it's impossible to, to put right. back the greatness sure. of it. Like, well, he had this guy throwing the like, you know, it is impossible era specific or otherwise, whatever you try to do to to push back at it. There is no pushback on on how dominant he was for. for you know how good he was. You know how good he was. <laughs> he got Ben Roethlisberger into the Hall of Fame. That's how good Antonio Brown was. Yes, because by the way, by the way, the Antonio Brown's many many gifts, but there has never been anyone who adjusted to the ball mid-flight like that fucking guy. So you could throw jump balls. Usually when you throw jump balls, it has to be Megatron. You have to have a big guy on the end of jump balls. Antonio Brown was a little guy winning jump balls his whole career. He would adjust his body in the air. He'd have those, you know, he'd be in mid collision with the safety. And then the ball would come on his side of the collision. And you just expected him to catch it because he caught them all. So obviously, now listen, what's the latest? Because his, his statement through his lawyer, like the te- that stuff seems very verifiable. You knew about my ankle injury. You sent me texts. It does. Yeah. And AB, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, BA. It's nice how that works so nice. ABBA, basically, um, uh, going head to head. Um, BA has held his press conference and kind of, but there are uh, there are some cracks in his argument that don't exactly disprove what Antonio Brown is saying. I mean, listen, you got into business with this guy given the the track record of the last three years. So you can't really cry victim on any level if you're the Buccaneers. And I don't know that they AB necessarily are. was but. saying to BA, take a chance on me. Oh. <laughs> and then on Sunday, he became the dancing queen. You can change your mind. Right. He became the dancing queen as he, Keep as going. he pirouetted, as he pirouetted off the field. Um, one more. Okay. Yeah, get one more. Get one more Abba lyric in there. One he's, a super, he's a super trooper, that guy. I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Okay, um, okay. I'm done. All, All right. right. So, so let's get into some uh let's get into some uh some picks here. But I I I can't help myself. I have to I have to vainly bring this up to Kevin Hench. I'm sorry, spaghetti and listener. I find it fascinating as you talk about Aaron Rodgers and we talk about Ben Roethlisberger. The critical moment for those two guys is the Super Bowl in February in 2011. If Roethlisberger wins that, he soars past, like, is he in the top 10 best of the Super Bowl era into, like, 
it, he is he ahead of Montana? You know, it's like, is it does it go Brady, then Ben Roethlisberger is the second greatest of all time? That's the conversation if he's three for three in the Super Bowl. Well, and let's, then bring, the second, uh, let's bring Rashad Mendenhall in to ask him ask him well, what that's he exactly thinks. right. If that doesn't ha- if Mendenhall doesn't fumble that ball and the Steelers win that game, think about the last decade or whatever it is, eleven years of Aaron Rodgers doing what he's done, but he doesn't have a, a Lombardi Trophy yet. Think about think about how consumed we would be by that. Forget what he is. I mean, imagine that, what was our conversation like, Marino. Forget that, Marino. At least, not that it's good, but you know, after his third year, they kind of went into like upper class mediocrity. The Dolphins, because Don Shula couldn't get things right, couldn't figure out how to how to uh, build the team around this pass first uh, offense. Um, Rogers has been there repeatedly in the last decade and has not gotten over the hump. Think how insane the conversation would be around that guy. And where do we place him in history? As well, it is, a at good, least he's that got is the a one. good place to start with our All picks. Right. Okay. So, and, and so the Packers I'm seeing are plus three thirty five to win the Super Bowl. Now you, your thing is the, the, murderer the the villain is going to win so like Gary's basically saying this is free money you're like the villain's going to win so take to bet your hundred dollars and win 335 this is easy it's it's done and dusted i don't know i've told you i can't bet against tom brady and i'm still rooting for justin herbert to get there since that was my preseason pick maybe not enough made i don't know maybe a lot's been made um but the protocols are different if you're unvaxxed, right? I mean, like, you know, there's, you know, everyone's basically just trying to get to a place where it's like, hey, man, if you feel fine, we can play. And the CDC seems kind of down, like everyone's trying. And you know, we've been talking about this for weeks. Like the NFL cannot have Patrick Mahomes miss the Super Bowl. Like it just can't happen no matter what his vile, whatever his test says, on Super Bowl Eve, you can't go, hey, the, the point spread's going to change 20 points. Mahomes not playing. Like, it can't happen. But given what Cousins and Dalvin Cook just went through, the league still seems to have these, these separate protocols, right, for vaxxed and unvaxxed. Like, it seems harsher. Like, it seems more arduous to get back. I guess, but then it's like, oh, oh wait, Carson Wentz can play? Last week, which well, I that guess he was should like, know, does, but anyway, because he, he got he had a, he had five days. Anyway, I'm just saying, in your plus three thirty five calculation on the Packers, you have to take into account everyone is going to get Omicron. Omicron is going to peak on January 29th in the United States. It is it, it's a chickenpox party here in the USA, and so. The plus 335 will not look great if Aaron Rodgers tests positive on a Friday. It is a shame for for people who have great vision into the long term. Some people can look at what's about to be in 48 hours. But Kevin Hench and Dave Damashek have proven to the minus three listener over the course of the last four or five months. And Eddie Spaghetti, you chime in if you had any gems in August or very early September before the ball kicked off in pro football this year. We were Sears, Hench. We've been Sears here. I know it's I so said, crazy. Like when we when we got to hang out together and actually spend some time together and and not get Omicron at that at the Jimmy Kibble Bowl, 
Um, you know, and I was asking you, I'm like, Hey man, what are we, uh, what are we doing? Like, what is this? Where, wh what is the goal of this podcast? What are, and you were like, well, we got to get people, we got to get people to gamble. Like people, we want people to go to FanDuel and, and, and bet your hard earned money. And then the way you do that is you go like people listen to you and then they go and bet and they make money and they go, Oh, I'm going to tell my friends that there are these jackasses that talk about football and then you make money on Sunday. And then, you know, I sent you guys the ticket and, and Eddie Spaghetti was kind enough to, to tweet it out. But like my season win totals are six and oh with the Falcons pending, you know, and I'm going to hedge a little bit on, on the Saints. But, um, you know, I could I could run the table now. We You'd be rich if you got that. If you listen to Hench and I, and I have to say me, too, I didn't get them all right of course you're making season long bets you're not going to win them all but what we did specifically we told you that just take the under on every individual every player total take the season total under lamar jackson's rush yards or otherwise got because of uh covid and even before covid guys you know get injured and then they're not going to hit that uh, that season long total but Derek Henry, I, Christian right. McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara. It just goes on and on. It, uh, of course it does. And by the way, um, I said Titans plus 1,700 to be the number one seed um, in the AFC. As long as they don't stumble here in week 18, that will be true. So that alone would make you um, – almost impossibly in the black. It would be hard well, to blow that uh, if you, if you, you know, that one. On that point, when we discussed it, and I like this, like that we should crow a little bit more, but um, right, let's crow. We, we said, so we talked about this bet, parlay, Titans to win the AFC South, Patriots to win the AFC East. That was plus 750. Now I hovered over that for, for a good long time, but I just couldn't bring myself to lock it in that the Patriots were going to prevail over the bills. So I went, what I went to was Patriots over nine and a half and, and Titans over nine and a half. So both of those teams were nine and a half. They both went over, um, but the Patriots are not going to win that division because the bills uh, had the easiest run in, in, in football history. Like every week they're a 15 to 17 point favorite in the home stretch. So obviously the Pats are not going to win that division. I will say this about the uh, the the potential Sunday apocalypse uh, for your Titans plus seventeen hundred. That Texans Chargers result still still scary, still weird. Uh, the Texans do play hard for their coach, um, and if you put ten dollars on a Texans Jaguars parlay. It pays $393. Let's all do that. $10? Come on. We can all scratch that $10 together. for $393. So now for, for actual bets, when you look at the prices for the NFL futures, um, and, I, oh, and I, do have a, I do have a pick for this weekend's games too, but uh, the, the number that jumps out at me as a good deal, because obviously like I think we all think things are trending toward – a Super Bowl one rematch, right? That's that's funny that's, you say that. Sessler's pick. I guess that's not that wild. It, it's that's that's chalk. It's kind of chalk. Um, although Derrick Henry could could confuse that a little bit, I guess. Um, but this, I number, think. Well, let me just say. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just, do want to talk. What do you think of this number? At this number, uh, Bengals plus seven fifty to win the AFC. I mean, you know. 
I, I'm patting myself on the back. I mean, not like I had the Bengals in August or anything, but I did say when they were in third place or even in fourth place in the AFC North, I said that Bengals are going to end up winning the division. I think they were in third place at that point. But either way, yeah, listen, and, and you know, it's it's the kind of platitudinous stuff that, fills the 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 airwaves when you watch these pregame shows but there is something to this the, the Joe Burrow swagger I don't know why he just gets it right to me it's not it's not fraudulent it's not a put on you can just feel it through the TV somehow doesn't it seem like man that guy just he wants well, it's it funny. as I, I always say like I, I always say to be you know you've got to turn it's it, it Coming clutch isn't a thing, you know, it, it it doesn't really, nobody outside of maybe Mark Lemke, second baseman for the Atlanta Braves in the nineties, nobody got better in the postseason. What it's about is maintaining your level, whatever, whatever level that is. Barry Bonds, when he was on the Pittsburgh Pirates, it, choke or whatever you want to call it, he just didn't maintain the standard that he had set over the course of the regular season, which is a problem. If you let, if you don't maintain that, then I guess you are going to get fingers pointed at you for it. Um, anyway, um, go ahead, go ahead. Well, so we'll so I played. I, this would be a good for for our intern. That's another thing we should get in twenty twenty two. Let's get an intern in here. I yeah, got, that's, basically, I, that's basically me. Eddie would love that. But then I, you know, I, you hire one. Yeah. Um, But this is, this has got to be true. We don't have to look it up, but yeah, I played against T Higgins in my fantasy semi and lost of course. And then lots of people played against Jamar chase in their fantasy final last week. There's no way, even, even at the height of Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt, there's or Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison. There's no way different receivers put up 40 plus fantasy points on consecutive weeks for the same team. Like what like <laughs> Joe Burrow in your fantasy playoffs threw for 971 yards and eight touchdowns in the final four. It it is it's insane. I mean it is arena league and and I do think like you know pick your poison those three receivers are so good and he's in such a rhythm and that number is so I mean the Bengals are plus 750. The Chiefs are plus 185. So you're getting you're getting four to one value for two teams, neither of which is going to have a buy. They'll have, they'll have I did. That's exactly right. I've done a fair amount of I'm I'm not a researcher, deep dive on the numbers guy, but um I go with my gut and it serves me well. Um, but I did a couple of years ago go through it and Jeff Schwartz came on two weeks ago, I think, and, and, and basically, uh, confirmed the same, which is we have this mentality that, you know, because we, the rhetoric goes that defense wins championships and it's largely still true in the 21st century in the Super Bowl. defense beats offense in the Super Bowl, but it didn't happen two years ago. The chiefs did get over on the Niners defense, but generally speaking, even in the 21st century, but in the playoffs on the way to the Super Bowl, offense does beat defense in the 21st century. So I, you know, the liability for the Bengals is they allow big plays. So does everybody else though. I, the way Burrow comports himself, you just saw that in a, in, in a, in a rugged spot for, for the Bengals, the chiefs wanted that game. They knew they had to win that game to, to hold on to the number one sure. seed. They went up two touchdowns a couple or a few times and Burrow just kept shooting 
right back through that, and they they end up winning that game. By the way, bizarre, biz, all time bizarre. So many stu- things were happening. Antonio Brown was topless at the same time, so we all got distracted. But that Zach Ta- uh, Zach Taylor decision making at the goal line was it, it's hard to figure out, and I still am not sure if he or Andy <laughs> oh, Reid screwed up, or if they no. both screwed up, if they got it right. I don't know what happened. There, it, it is, it's a little like Belichick with uh, Malcolm Butler against the Seahawks. Um, although I love that, but you do you do hate to see the bad coaching vindicated. I told you, I told you. Man. I know, but I like, but I do like the the frame of mind makes sense. That like, if we just kick the field goal here with you know fifty eight seconds left, Mahomes is going to drive him down the field. Let's I love, let's win it here. But, I in his press conference. He had to go. Hey, hey, look, I have a lot of faith in my defense. Yeah, clearly. That's clearly you're you're really <laughs> the defense had to be watching going, what the fuck is he doing? Does he know? Now, what I there? can't stand is as a, as an old, the thing that bu- that bugs me about that is that you go empty backfield at the one. You have you have Joe Mixon. You don't you don't want Joe Mixon standing next to Burrow, or you don't want to put Burrow under center with Mixon back there as a threat to run some play action. Nope, we're just gonna tell you that we're throwing the ball here. Like, what? That that's what bugged me about it more than going for it in that spot. But yeah, it was a, it was screwed up on both sides. Anyway, yeah, I, I listen. Okay, so I like the this. Bengals pick and I'll say it again. People, these people who harumph about like you're the Bengals. What have they ever done? Like, yeah, the, the the Chiefs hadn't done anything until then. They did do something, and the Patriots hadn't done anything until they did something. I mean, like, what what does this mean? Like that when people hold up the that well, Joe Burrow and that team, they haven't won anything. Yeah, yeah, but then that changes if they do win something, and then you're on the right side of history. I like I like the way this team is built, at least for these playoffs. I just the thing that looms big is if the Bengals go to Tennessee. That's a fascinating divisional round game if they get that far. But let's say the, let's that's the big that's game is the divisional game. round for Tennessee to determine what you think is going to happen in the AFC. I think you kind of have to try your best to see, like, do you think the Titans survive that? Because then all of a sudden the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl if the Titans win, if the Titans lose in the divisional round at home, then it then that should just without well, knowing that's any exactly other specific. where I wanted to lead us, which is. Okay. Okay, imagine – so let's say the Bengals – the Titans, let's go chalk for the one seed. They, they beat the Texans this week, and they're the one seed. Let's say the Bengals have to go into Tennessee in the AFC title game, okay, so to win your 750 – your plus 750. What's the spread on that game? One? Two? Like, I mean, it's not – you know, they're, they're, they're not going to be a five-and-a-half-point underdog in that game. They're, they're, it's going to be less than three, right? And of course, and of course, the X factor that people don't consider is like what 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 kind of Derrick Henry is this going to be? Is it is a hundred percent? Then that is a scary proposition for the Bengals as they're constituted. They're not built to stuff to stuff that for for four quarters. I know, but, but they Derrick, also Derrick Henry's played in as many Super Bowls as as Joe Burrow. I, I don't I'm like not, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take the Bengals in that one. I'll ride with Joe Burrow against uh, right. Ryan Tannehill, who no matter how many times you hand the ball off to Derrick Henry is going to have to make some plays along the way. He did it two years ago. Tannehill did. But I'm telling you, there's just something about Burrow that, you know, he feels like the genuine article. It's what Cleveland thought they had in Baker Mayfield. It's what the Rams thought they had in Jared Goff. It just feels like in year two here, man, Joe Burrow is going to be a problem 
and the Bengals are for at least the next three years after this because he's on his rookie deal and he is in fact a franchise quarterback so they're going to have the chance to flesh out that roster even more um and they just might they already have have arrived a little ahead of schedule but I, I the idea that they have a playoff run in them being silly even in a loaded AFC I think you're being silly if you sleep on the possibility of that it's just so great though as long as the only thing I don't want the Browns to muck it up by beating the Bengals because if it just stays the way it is, you get the Chiefs and Chargers in the wild card, and you get the Patriots at the Bills in the wild card. I mean, that's that, that's as good as you can do in a wild card round. Real quick, we'll do a deeper dive on the college football national championship in just a little bit, but I do want to mention FanDuel Sportsbook is who hooking new customers up with thirty to one enhanced odds on either team to win the game: Georgia or Bama. Pick one, you win. All this means is you bet $5 to win $150 on either of those two teams. I'll say them again. You could pick Alabama, or you could pick Georgia, or you could pick Georgia, or you could pick Alabama. Either way, you're going to be a winner. Just sign up for FanDuel Sportsbook and make sure you use the promo code MINUS3. That's the most important part of what I'm telling you right now. FanDuel.com slash MINUS3, the word MINUS, the number three, and make a deposit to claim your 30 to 1 enhanced odds. No better place to bet the college football championship than on America's number one sports book. Simple, so easy to use, safe and secure. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as two hours. Two hours, I just said to you. All just for betting alongside a, a football game you're certainly going to be watching. Anyway, pick your side and be a winner. In the winner circle, before the game ever kicks off, there will be no um, tie in this one. It is a national championship game after all. So bet it. And again, FanDuel.com slash minus three is how you do it. A quick break. Got to squeeze one in. You know, <laughs> I was actually worried about that Jaguars game because I did not want to have to go down to our house of horrors in Miami needing to win to get in. That was going to be a nightmare. And so even so even though so the Patriots are in, they're giving six and a half. Mm-hmm. This 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 is nuts. This is crazy. I mean we've all watched that Dolphins defense. I know the the uh the Patriots won by 40 and the Dolphins lost by 31 last week, but and maybe that's why that number is is so so big. But I would take the Dolphins plus six and a half in in a place that just has produced so many rough, bizarre, weird results for the Patriots over the years. That that number feels. uh, I agree. I agree. And I'll go one further with you. If you don't want to just survive, but you want to live, you go to FanDuel.com slash minus three, the word minus the number three. And you bet the Dolphins on the money line plus two thirty five. That's living, Hedge. I, I mean, I, I see no reason why. I, was, no, I see I was, no reason. I was being timid. That that yeah, plus two thirty five. Um, you know what? The Dolphins had fourteen sacks over two games. <laughs> that that's for real. That's for real. So Boy, the, the chase, as I point to every year now, we have it feels like not just that you have a lot of interesting student athletes in the draft to look at, but the the high end QB possibilities. I, there's a chance Derek Carr is going to be out there, but but, you know, Deshaun Watson's going to be out there. And it seems like Russell Wilson is the chase for these guys is going to be is going to be captivating stuff in 
I don't even know when it really starts. February, March, I guess, was when free agency kicks off. But before that, I guess you could trade for Deshaun Watson. But, yeah, this is a huge spot for Tua's future, you would think. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm with you on the on the Dolphins. The Niners at the Rams. The Rams are giving four in SoFi. Shanahan has owned McVay. I'm a big, as you know, big on if they did it once, they'll do it again effect. This has gone on for three years now. I see no reason at this point to – well, I see reasons, but I'm going to take the Niners based on Shanahan's dominance over McVay. How say you? I'm with you, and and the Cardinals win the division, right? Yeah. Uh, again, like, you know, I, you know I, the emotions of Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, and this is it. Are they are they cool with each other at this point? Are they, like, looking at each other from across the locker room? Like, let's just get this over with kind of thing. Like, and I, I have no I, uh, ability to read that vibe for what's going on in Seattle. But to your point, yeah, the Cardinals know they have to have it, and I think they're probably feeling it after beating Dallas a little bit back on track. Let's keep this, uh, this freight train rolling. We, we had our stumble, but that's behind us now. I'm with you. I think uh, the the Cardinals buy a touchdown or more. That's your pick, right? Lay the six and a half. It's in Las Vegas. It's the chargers. There's been some talk, although I think now pretty much squashed by um, Brandon Staley. Uh, I, I think basically acknowledged we're not going to, in, uh, take a knee for 60 minutes, but it would be the funniest thing ever if both teams like, yep, we will. You'll, you definitely are not going to, you, you promise you'll definitely do it. Okay. Yeah. We'll do it too. But only if you do it like ready. Okay. Ready. One, two, three, let's take a knee for 60 minutes. And then with, uh, with 11 seconds left, Derek Carr throws a touchdown pass would be hysterical. But anyway, they're not going to do that. Both needed to get into the playoffs. Raiders at home are a dog. They're getting three points. How say you hedge? Okay, so this is a huge game for Sheck. This is a big game for Sheck oh, because be he invested a lot, a lot of, of gum flapping, maybe a lot of money on the pro- proposition that these Chargers are for real, and um, we get to find out on, on, on the, in the final game of import of the, of the regular season if the Chargers are for real. Now, Spaghetti, you might not know this, but Sheck, I was in this pick. I'm still in it. I don't know. Sheck, Sheck dominated this picks league. I don't know, for a decade. Like, how long did you did you know you you would definitely have had the best overall record for ten years running, right? In in the ZFL. Uh, yeah, but I, listen, I'm focused on the matter at hand, which no, is no. So uh, what I'm saying is extrapoints.com arcade. I'm two back a Harry. Exactly. On, exactly. I'm so Sheck. I'm right there once too. Again, once again, I'm in a picks league with Sheck where he is right either at the mountaintop or, or, or chasing, finishing hard, closing Seattle slew at, at the at the at the finish line, and he's got a chance to catch Harry. And I assume he's going to agree with, with what I'm about to say. Amishek versus the H dog in a foot race in is a foot something race. no yeah. one wants to see um, unless they so, want to feel good about themselves. So, so I'm taking the Chargers. I'm I'm giving the field goal, and I feel like this is it. This is it. This is are the Chargers. I mean, you watch the Chargers. You're like, they have so many good players. It's it's ridiculous that they they're that they have to win to get in, but they will. They will win to get in, and they will cover the spread. 
and Sheck will be vindicated as anyone who has gone head to head with him in picks leagues for, I don't know, 20 years now. Yes, Sheck knows what he's talking about. The Chargers will make the playoffs. I'll say you, Spaghetti. Well, I am taking the Chargers to, uh, you know, Kenneth Murray's back from the COVID list. Jared Cook's back from the COVID list. Obviously, you have uh, Eckler's healthy again, but if not, Justin Jackson's just as good as a backup. If Herbert doesn't have a miserable game, throws multiple picks, I think if they just run the ball, like, you know, hit the open receivers, play smart defense, like, I don't see a game where Derek Carr is going to beat the Chargers, but uh, I don't think the Chargers are for real. They'll, they'll be like a one and done in the playoffs, though. Well, it's a weird prediction to make that I made in front of the chiefs. And I said to Jeff Schwartz and I say to you now is I said, hear me now, believe me later. It will at least be a shootout between the Bengals and chiefs. Um, And he said, he scoffed and said, no, it'll be a two touchdown win. They're way better at the line of scrimmage, the chiefs than the Bengals. And, uh, and here we are, the Bengals are at least going to play in some classic shootout game at some point in the AFC postseason and i think the best team for that is the is the chargers i could see that those two teams playing each other but that would require the chargers to beat the chiefs in the wild card round and i think they have a pretty good chance of doing it but of course to the matter at hand they must survive Derek carr who i it's funny i tweeted something a few days ago about Derek carr like he I know his numbers don't hold up in yards. They do, but not in touchdowns and and turnovers and otherwise. But I mean, we keep talking about the Raiders as like, this is, this isn't urban Myers Jags. The Raiders had a worse season that with Henry Ruggs and their head coach getting fired because of all that stuff. And, you know, recent DUI and then they cut a first round pick too. So they had all a lot of more. Right, all this implosion going on around him. Derek Carr has not gotten his due and he really has, you know, flaws. I mean, through that pick in Cleveland two minutes before he threw the, uh, put together the game winning drive, but I don't think he's gotten his due, but I do think the road ends here for the Raiders. I think the Chargers get in, but I will I say agree this. With you on both of those points that, you know, obviously uh, on the Chargers, but Derek Carr, you know, the quarterback has to keep it together, right? If, if, if parts of the machine are flying off debris, you know, and, I, I just, you know, I mean, I did. They did have that rough patch that I predicted and and cashed in on. But the fact that he has righted this leaky ship with all the emotional turmoil. I mean, guys getting fucking DUIs after rugs. Come on, man. You know, and 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 Derek Carr. You know, Waller goes down every week. You're like, how is he? How is he keeping it close? How, what he's winning, you know, he's winning games. It, it really, you know, we we obviously do deal in numbers, and that's why we're 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 tugging at Joe Namath's gold jacket because we because we numbers matter. But his his performance is MVP worthy. It's weird, and and uh, yeah, but, but 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 yeah, Raiders people, even a Raiders beat writer is hitting me up like this is ridiculous that you would float that, and it's obviously the defense. It's only like. Are you aware, though, of what's going on around this team and what has for the last four months and all of that is weird? And, you know, just to compare it in among the good the divisions that have at least two really good teams in it, like the AFC East, there are the Jets, at least, and the Dolphins pretty good um, over the course of things. 
and you have the Seahawks in a division. I mean, they they rightly should have been the C- Russell Wilson, bad finger and everything, but still that that got that turned south as you would expect it to, especially when you're playing good teams at least six times over the course of the season. The Raiders have hung in there against the Broncos, who have been good, and the Chargers and the Chiefs. I don't know why we're not celebrating what Derek Carr at least uh, has done. Obviously, I'll be rooting as as ever against Lord Sauron and and hoping that Alabama loses. However, I really think Georgia's going to regret not fucking killing this snake when they had the chance. You know, you you. You let it live, and and here you are, and I I think they're gonna they're gonna regret it, and I, I'll I'll take Alabama. Obviously, the field goal is nice, but uh, I I think they're gonna do the double. I do think that it's college football, and so it's not as much a quarterback league or or sport or whatever. But Bryce Young, it, it, you know is the the best QB on the field. I'm going Georgia here. I don't buy, Ooh. though, I don't buy Spaghetti's Jive. I don't know how much, like, 20-year-olds care about, like, you know, Georgia and, the, you know, we, we are there. there's a pox on us, you know, the, the sports town extended up to Athens and all that. Um, I don't think they care about that. I don't think they feel the pressure of that so much. But, um, you know, straight up, Stetson Bennett's a fun guy to watch, but Bryce Young is superior to him. I don't buy spaghettis and other people floated the conspiracy theory that Georgia didn't show everything in case this happened. They would eliminate Bama. There's no one else in the tourney that would have scared them. So, of course, if they had the chance to cut the head off the snake, I don't think they held back anything. Um, but Mechie's out. The defense is dominant for Georgia. They had one misstep. It was against this team. Now you're taking out the top weapon in the passing game. I'll take Georgia. Spaghetti. I put, well, to pat myself in the back, you guys are saying bets you made season long that were good. Uh, I, oh, yes, I you did. said Georgia is going to win the title. I actually put money on Georgia when I was in Jersey a few weeks ago. Um, I also did correctly pick Bryce Young to win the Heisen, so those are two picks I've had. But uh, Georgia is going to win this game. Uh, I think it won't even be a close game. I think they're going to mm. win by two scores. They're they're just the better team. I mean, look, if Desmond Ritter played a fraction better, if he played half as good as Desmond Ritter plays, that would have been a, a much better game there was a large portion of that game where Alabama was not scoring points. They weren't moving the ball. Uh, Sauce Gardner and, and uh, you know, Kobe Bryant, they were they were playing great. And the loss of Mechie really does hurt them. The best player on Alabama is Will Anderson. If Georgia stops him, I think they're going to be in, in for a, a longer day because N'Kobe Dean looked awesome on defense, uh, defense for Georgia. Obviously, Jonathan Davis in the middle. Setson Bennett made plays with his feet, which we didn't really expect, and made some really nice throws. And I thought that Georgia would be better with JT Daniels, but him, Zamir White, um, they're going to be fine. I think they're going to win this game. And uh, I they, still well, they do, they got two. And what was that now? Four or five years ago, you could flip it. And, and, you know, if things are going the wrong direction for Georgia, they do have the option to, to go to Daniels. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I like when people don't do the math, like the, the, the paid analysts kids like, Hey, Bama has found its run game just in time. They look at what they did to Cincinnati. It's like, yeah, what it did, that was the advantage they had. That was what we knew going in. Like, Bama has a chance that they'll just truck Cincinnati physically, and that there'll be nothing that poor uh, Bearcats will have to do about that. Georgia, 
presents as a, as a more rugged foe for Bama to try and grind on the ground. They're going to have to make plays through the air, and they don't have their number one pass catcher. Absolutely. You know Bryce Young also was the, the by far and away the best quarterback that Cincinnati's faced all year. The next best quarterback was uh, Jack Cohn, who they beat. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, he was a, a shock to, the, to their yeah, system. And they handled Panics. it pretty well. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is that, you know, we those semis were so depressing. They're just, they're just, not, they're never interesting for a second. Those semifinal games were just instantaneously boring. And you know, as as Sal, I was tweeting with Sal or texting with Sal. You know, it's like that's how much better the SEC is than the, than the rest of the country. And so I was, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about what Brian Kelly's got himself into. I'm delighted, right? Because. He's so it's like, okay, big boy, here we go. Here we go. Here's what you're going up against here. Uh, These are two of the shit kickers that you're going to be facing. Then I don't know if you caught it. I just happened to see a few plays, but it's like LSU just getting destroyed by Kansas State. Like the cupboard is bare. Like, wow. Wow. Are you in for a rude awakening? Wow. Are you going to be pining for South Bend? It is going to it is going to be rough. And they are not going to be patient on the bayou. Like it is, it is going to be, uh, it's going to be delightful. It's going to be delightful. I, I hear you. And Sal is apparently a front runner. I never knew it about him, but he is so died. Nuts, just loves his SEC football. Of course, fifty percent of the 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 uh, final four should be comprised of this one conference. It's, it, it's just that's not the way it it should be working in my opinion and to me it really isn't so much that the SEC see how much more dominant it is against everybody else the advantage of a power 5 against cincinnati was that they might physically just obliterate them and that's what happened to cincy one and two michigan was a was a good team a legitimate team this year obviously um but what they want to do is exactly what Georgia's built to stop you from doing, which is to to grind you. I mean, you know, Michigan wanted to be, wants to beat you up on the ground. They can do that to most teams. The one team that's really hard to do that to in the nation is is Georgia. So right, but um, if you look at what Michigan did to Ohio State and what what they couldn't do to Georgia, I mean, it kind of proves. But Ohio South's State point. didn't have a good defense issue. But but I know, but it kind of proves South's point, which is like, Jesus, are your guys on scholarship? I mean, what, what, you can't do anything against this Georgia team. They're errors. I get it. So what? They still, you know, the, in the NBA for, for 25 years, the Western Conference was better by a ton than the Eastern Conference. They didn't say, ah, let's just forget the NBA finals because we know the whoever survives the West is the best. That's you know what they did, Check. You know what they did? What they played years. the game right? You, that you don't send multi. That, yeah. Oh well, come on, come on. We under we we get it that yeah, that, that the fifty percent of the teams in the finals were from the West. Oh well, okay. I well, like so sense. I don't know, like two out of four teams from the from the best conference. I look, I hate the SEC. I hate the I hate the monopoly. Um, break it up, you know. Hopefully, maybe Lincoln Riley can make it interesting again. Um, it would be nice. Well, you know, it's going to, well, Lincoln Riley let somebody go from his building and he's headed to the banks of the Three Rivers. Kadon Slovis, dude, don't forget about them in 2022. Here come the pick Panthers, dude. They're going to be in the final four. All right. It's more than enough. We don't need to hold Hench up any longer. But I mean, that Kale McCarr goal was at oh, all time. I know it's three on three and everything else, but there was, there was a quality to it. I've just never seen somebody accelerate. He goes and he gets the puck and then he like and then he just turns and is at full speed. It made no sense. I've never seen anything like that before. And then the ease with which he 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 uh 
he chips it in on the backhand. That I mean, that's the other thing too. Right. Um, anyway, I gotta go. go Good go. luck with your with your sniffles, Sheck. Don't, don't go. Good luck don't. with your second workout of the day. Yes, yeah, spaghetti gets it. I hope you don't meet your Macar. Um, I'll, I'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs> Happy New Year. He goes out with a cute little singer there to boot. Well done. All right. Enjoy the time with uh, Mikey Meatballs. I give way to it. It's time for some puck talk. It's time for spaghetti and meatballs. Hello, folks. We're back. Spaghetti and Meatballs. It's been way too long. I'm Eddie Spaghetti here with Mikey Meatballs. Hockey is back. It's great. Rangers are still awesome. Islanders still stink. A uh, lot to get into here. Meatballs, what's going on? Your, uh, your your name is Noah Dobson. You said some very uh, unfortunate things to me before this uh, this recording about him being better than Adam Fox. Uh, he is. Uh, he's a future Norris winner. Um and the Islanders are they're back on their way to get into the playoffs. We'll be all right. Yep. We'll be all right. Well, uh, speaking of Adam Fox, too, and the, the, uh, obviously he's going to be linked for a while with Kel McCarr beating him out in the Norris last year. Kel McCarr, uh, if you haven't seen the goal, please go and check it out. It's, it's awesome. Uh, I know it's three on three. He's had a little bit of luck involved, but a really skilled guy. He's, I mean, it's like a forward playing D-man. But, again, he's still no Adam Fox. And, uh, you know, Adam Fox is the Norris Trophy winner. I saw someone recently post if they had a rank right now, the heart. Uh, the the Hart Moral Trophy, like their votes, uh, Fox would be the only defenseman in the conversation. He was fifth overall for Hart, so it just shows you the level of player that he is. So um, anyway, we don't have to look. Like, I don't want to bore one with how good the Rangers are. We can get into some other stuff here. Uh, first thing, though, Winter Classic. It's the one thing the NHL has done right for a, quite a number of years. We had the uh, the Blues, the Wild this year. And a couple of fun things from obviously I want to rank uniforms. It was the coldest game ever uh, in an NHL game. It was to be, they said that uh, on the ice was somewhere between 22 and 24 degrees. I feel like I know your answer to this, but would like you would be like, oh, yeah, cold weather doesn't affect me. I don't I don't feel the cold. But I feel like as a player, I'd be like, that's pretty like I guess you may like the gentleman kicks in. You don't feel it as much. But I feel like that's got to stink, though. 22 degrees, probably with like wind chills and everything, too. We're forgetting. No, nah, once you're playing, if you're playing hockey with all the equipment on i think it'll be fine i don't think it wouldn't bother me to play in that type of uh weather hmm. all right well the blues did win the game uh but the more important matter is the uniforms who won the uniform matchup between uh the blues and the wild for you i'm gonna go i would say minnesota did yep i agree i like their more of a throwback yep. type look and i also thought um the goalie pads are pretty sweet yes so I, I will say Minnesota won that one. The, the only thing I would have changed, like the MPLS thing, I know it's like kind of an abbreviation, but it's like weird. Obviously, it says St. Paul underneath and a kind of like mm-hmm. semicircle thing going on. But the color scheme is awesome. I love the tan gloves, the tan pants they had going yeah. on. I thought like the, the juxtaposition was awesome. Um, so I'm with you on that one. And some people on Twitter are talking about this, though. Should the goalies in the Winter Classic be mandated toward like the little beanie on top of their helmets? I don't know if they should be mandated, but it's a great look. look. It's awesome. It is a good look. Yeah, it is a good look. It, I do like it. They have to. Re- you have to lean into. It. You have to realize this is like you know playing pond hockey. Like you're, you're yeah, exactly. old school. You're outside as a kid. The players love it. Everyone involved loves it. I really got to get myself to an outdoor game. Uh, why not wear the the little beanie toque thing on top? It's awesome. And I know that. Uh, I think I think only the wild uh, wilds goalie wore. But I know that uh, that 
the Blues goalie did not wear it in the game, and he got a little flack for that. But um, so yeah, Wild winning the more important matchups here, the uniform and the the beanie on the on the hat, and we're going to get. Well, I, yeah, I go. do want to say quickly with the Winter Classic, I I do think for the NHL every you know every year each team should play a rivalry game as a winter classic that's a good no like they should just I, be yeah. a slate of games like islanders rangers should play at yankee stadium mm-hmm. you know every year um and then you just have a bunch of rivalry games i am with like you that, that should be yep. and they're all outdoors it's so. already going to be a spectacle because it's outside and then you add the, the rivalry impact instead of just two random teams like it wouldn't make sense if the Islanders play like the San Jose Sharks, like there's no right. juice to that game. Um, so I'm with you. I think they should, they should kind of match it up to that. Uh, and I, I also, I'm not sure if where you stand on this one though, but I'm also for less outdoor games, the better per season, because I want the ones that are outside to be special. I don't think yeah, they try to, no, like, I'm, I'm okay with one U S one, one Canadian one. I'm fine with that. Um, but I want to, I want to make all eyeballs on the outdoor ones that they already planned. I get that. Um, I just think, you know, a rivalry day would be cool. Sure. With, you know, you rotate whatever teams or, you know, every two years your team is playing in an outdoor game or something I mean, like you're, that. You're right. They do it in college football, right? They have rivalry games. They have trophies. Right. Why not do it in the, in the NHL? Um, so we'll get to our, we'll end with some bets here in a minute. But the one thing I wanted to get into is the Oilers have been kind of dropping as of late. Um, they are now, where they had uh, 38 points, they're fourth in the Pacific. Uh, they're a team that everyone thought were going to be pretty good. They were great early on. Obviously, it goes out being said, Connor McDavid, the Andre Seidel. Now they lost a couple of games uh, to teams they probably shouldn't have. They look pretty bad versus the Rangers in the loss. Connor McDavid, like now, also has COVID. He's 24 years old. There's some drama going on with their goalie, uh, who said the exact quote. Uh, Miko Koskinen said that it's, uh, you know it, he can't score goals. Uh, only had like seven goals in the past X amount of games. So that's, you know, he's been playing pretty poorly. He admits that, but he, him calling out the offense. What do you do? Like if you're McDavid, are you looking to leave? If you're the Oilers, are you even exploring the, the possibility of trading him? Like right now you're, just, you're clearly not going to win with this current roster. Okay. I'm not saying giving away McDavid makes the most sense. Cause he's a superstar. I mean, other guys in the league, like other star players just like, they like love talking about how awesome it is to play with this guy. Like everyone knows he's the best. He's far away the best. Mm-hmm. He's he's we're watching a generational talent in real time, and he's only 24 years old. And they have another really damn good player in Drysaddle. But the current makeup of the roster is not going to work, and they've kind of been wasting him. You don't want to waste any more of his prime. Like w- from each angle, like what what do you do? What's fair trade value? Does he does man a trade and become a diva esque? And you don't really see that in hockey too often. Like do you just give up on him and you kind of blow the whole thing up for the Oilers front office? Like it's a it's as bad as it gets, and he's as good as it gets. Well, they had their chance. Well, um, I will say, I did say at the beginning of the year, the goaltending is the worst part for the team. So sure. they true. elected to go with Koskinen mm-hmm. and Mike Smith again, yep. and it has not necessarily helped them at all. So that's partially their fault. Well, it is their fault, not partially. Um, and then defensive depth, they didn't really add too much to the, the roster. They don't have that... Uh, you know, they don't have like a lot of the, the East teams, they have those, you know, grinded out type of defensemen who play defensive hockey a little bit more than offensive hockey. And that's kind of what they're missing to because McDavid and, and Drysdale, you know, they spend a lot of time on the ice and they're probably tired and worn down and it, it's harder for them to do stuff in the defensive end. So 
you need better defensemen who are, you know, so solely focused on playing defense mm-hmm. rather than offense, if that makes sense. So I, it's, it's kind of the Oilers fault. I don't really know. It's hard to, to think of having to trade McDavid or dry sure. you know, two of the league's top players. So if you're trying to get around that, you got to look to trade someone or, or sign, you know, entice some sort of really good defensive player, uh, you know, to come to your team. I I don't even know what the best scenario is. Like I'm thinking, like if you're if you had to keep one of the two, they're going to keep McDavid. He's the captain. He's you know the face of the league. Um, and it's not. It's so unfair for Drysaddle to be like the number two because he would be the number one in basically every other team in the NHL. Yeah. But like I said, you've got to keep one of the two. You're keeping McDavid. So what you do is do you trade Drysaddle for like the biggest package in NHL history? Get a couple defensemen get some, uh, you know, top six forwards or maybe get a, a big time goalie instead and try to rebuild it. The Cause then, then the issue is you, you move dry settle. He wins a few hearts somewhere else. And then you don't win a cup with McDavid with this, after this trade, you're going to be regretting it. Probably not as much. As you're going to be regretting it. If you trade, if you get rid of McDavid um, and you see him, you know, dominate on another team for years to come and you have the greatest player of this generation, you gave him away, but you know, I also wouldn't be, I also would not be shocked if McDavid does a thing where he's like, I got to go, I got to move on. I give you as much as possible. You just couldn't, you couldn't really do it for me here. Um, and they've had multiple seasons. They, they, they had chances to do that. They had other top, top picks. So I wouldn't even regret, uh, I, I wouldn't even blame him for being, uh, doing this diva sort of move by requesting a trade because, like I said, he's 24, he's going to want to win cups. But to me, there's just no other option because I don't think I don't think if you're the Oilers trading away, dry will even helps that much because I don't know what I think their issues are just more than getting three players back. If if that make that long ran makes sense. Right. Well, the issue is, too, I don't know what team can necessarily afford him. Right. And the amount that you give away. Probably will hurt your team like it just sure. almost evens out in a sense that um you're losing whatever you're giving away. I mean, obviously you're getting the best player. Also, McDavid's going to want time, to, but you're, that's a, that's a fantastic point by you. He's going to want to go to a team that has a good foundation that wants to win. Right. But you also need to find those teams more likely than not pretty use pretty much all their cap space. So you don't have the room for him and then gutting a team that's foundationally good. is it, tough. Uh, I'm not sure what teams would qualify in that range of where he would sign off to going to, but also have some other good pieces. Like, you know, what I want him to go, like the Rangers are in a great position. What I want it, the Rangers to trade away four or five awesome foundational players right now for him, like, and change what we have going on. It's like, why would you mess with that chemistry? I get he's good, right. but I don't want to be Oilers 2.0. So it's, it's a, it's a tough scenario for everyone involved. So it's like, if I were the Oilers, if I had to make a hard choice, it's, get the best package ever in NHL history for a dry sidle because I think the only the only other option it's going to is that he's going to ask to leave. I don't think he's going to mm-hmm. give him he what is he going to say like I'll sit tight for three, four more years as you rebuild again. Like it's just not going to happen. Right. Yeah. He um you know I was I was actually at the Islander Oiler game on New Year's Day. Oh wow. Um and it was kind of I know him and Dry Sidle, you know, they both had a point, Dry Sidle goal, McDavid had an assist, but they they didn't really look I don't know if they you know didn't look right or something was going on, but Scott Mayfield and the rest of the Islanders defense locked him down. Mm-hmm. Like you could tell how frustrated he was sure. like on the bench and on the ice. You could he was not happy at all. And Koskinen did make some pretty good saves that game too. So 
the Oilers have a lot going on. They should be better than they are. Um, they've lost what four in a row now. Yep. Uh, they lost to all the New York teams, yep. uh, Jersey, and uh, they just lost to Toronto yesterday. So um, I don't know. They got it's it's hard to, if you're an Oilers fan. I feel bad for you because it's hard to stomach the fact that you have two of the best players in the NHL and you can't. Yeah, you know, really figure and, it out. And it's, so. a, it's a tough division. I mean, like, you really only can count out the crack in like, you you know, we, we've said that uh, for months now. But you have the Canucks, the Sharks at 35 points, the Kings at 37 points, then the Oilers at 38. Obviously, Ducks slams the Knights ahead of them. And the Knights are only going to get better when they get Eichel. So it's mm-hmm. it's like it's not it's uh, that's why I think they're only they're headed for one two ways. It's like he's going to they're going to have to call McDavid and be like, hey, we're going to trade dry sidle for a package, sit tight for another year and we're going to be fine. Or the other option is he's going to say, I can't do this anymore. He's gone. It's it's going to be strange that uh, they're going to have to trade uh, what I think is going to, you know, they had Gretzky and they did trade Gretzky. It's going to be a two point. It's going to it's going to happen again. Yeah. I think it's really going to happen again. Um, and we're finally right now. Uh, seeing this, the you know the cracks starting to form in the Oilers uh, with this, and obviously the, with the goalie talking to the media about this and blaming the offense is not good. And to your point too, you know, getting locked down by the Islanders, there's just some nights where they're like, "Hey, we can't be the only two guys doing this for the entire team." They're just going to get tiring. But right. uh, so we'll keep our, our eyes on that. We'll wrap up here quick. Uh, bets, bets you like uh, for the week, and I'll I'll give my quick one here to make Dave happy. The Penguins have been playing really well. Crossy's been playing extremely well. Uh, they're going to Dallas on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to like whatever the the odds are. They're getting on the road uh, to beat Dallas. Dallas is, you know, whatever. They're, you know, 15, 12, and 2. They're not a great team. But uh, the Penguins right now, uh, 19, 8, 43 points, and a tough Metropolitan Division. If they were in any other division, they'd probably be at the top. They'd be dominating. Uh, I like the Pens to continue rolling to beat uh, the Dallas Stars, uh, whatever they're laying. I do like that bet. Um, well, tomorrow I do like Calgary uh, to beat Carolina. Calgary's a pretty good road team. They've been playing okay mm-hmm. recently. So let's go Calgary to beat Carolina. I don't know what the odds are yet, but I'm assuming they'll be an underdog. That's a good one. A lot of really good games this weekend too. Um, like you said, Calgary, Carolina is a good game. Caps, Blues, really good game. Saturday is just full of some awesome games. Florida and Carolina mm-hmm. is going to be a good one. You have Toronto, Colorado is going to be a really good one. Uh, Rangers are playing the Ducks is going to be a really good one. I'm going to try to go to that game Saturday night too. So uh, looking forward to that. But um, it'll be my first time seeing the Rangers in probably two plus years, something like that. So excited to see the best team in hockey very soon. But everyone, enjoy your hockey this weekend. It's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be back with you talking some NHL. I'm glad that uh, we're kind of steamrolling through this COVID thing and the league is a little bit safer. I know they're still canceling games, but hopefully we're on the right track and uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Spaghetti best to meatballs over there. Um, And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we had a great time with uh, Mark Sessler uh, earlier in the week. Go back and listen to that episode. If you'd like to hear a little review of um, where kind of where the AFC North is, but where it's headed and uh, in the January and February upcoming here in pro football at large. Um, And make sure you're listening to all the great output of extra points against all odds, extra points. Of course, Megan Fun of Sports, Lemon Pepper Parlay, Jen Piacente and Eddie Spaghetti teaming up on waiver wire. If you have a fantasy game upcoming here on Sunday, one, what are you doing? But two, Got some good counsel for you coming down the home stretch there. Um, and uh, make sure you bet along with us at all times, fanduel.com 
slash minus three. And we'll be back after the weekend to break it all down for you. Try and make some sense of it for you. Until then, for Hench, for Spaghetti, and the rest of the gang, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>